Hello and welcome to the ABM Done Right podcast. I'm your host, Eric Rivers, CEO of Personal ABM. I'm so excited that my partner, Christina Javamolo, asked me to fill in today for her. Today's guest is host of the P community alongside Sangram, Terminus's founder, partner of Red Monkey Consulting. And today they just launched, as I saw it on LinkedIn, the go to market strategy firm, go to market. I mean, GTM Partners. My guest has worked with some of the best executive leaders, venture capital firms, to make go-to-market simple through growth plays that accelerate growth. And today, we're going to discuss how teams need to change their ABM program and how they go to market to get to the next phase of revenue growth. My guest today is Judd Borokov. Judd, I said your name right, right? You got me, man. Thanks, Eric. No problem. Welcome to the show. Glad to be here. Happy I could be. Yep. Now, I know um, when you spoke to Christina, because part of it is not only go-to-market consulting, but you also have a recruiting firm for sales and marketing. And you often talk about... um, ABM programs and you ask about it and they start talking about a campaign. So one of the things that I see with based whether it's go to market, whether it's ABM, one of the biggest issues is how companies, sales and marketing teams define the two. So that's where I want to actually start off with how ABM should not be a campaign. It is not I'm going to ours and doing a gifting campaign. I'm not going to Sendoso. I'm not just using terminus and demand base and doing retargeting ads and doing doing a campaign. And then also what is, so what is ABM to you? What is go to market to you? And what's wrong with everyone's definitions? Mm, great question. Um, well, I, I'll, I'll preface this with, We've done a ton of research. Uh, obviously, you know my partner, Sangram, who, I mean, when it comes to ABM, that says it all. Um, I hear a lot of people who you ask about ABM, they say, yeah, we do some ABM campaigns. And what I understand ABM to be, where I see it work the way that it's supposed to, is this is an overarching corporate strategy. This is not a, I run some campaigns because First, you can do targeted campaigns and targeted ads and things like that. That's fine. But that is not ABM. That is just targeted outreach. <laughs> ABM is an all-encompassing go-to-market function in my mind that if done right, and now and we'll get into some of this later, it's a full life cycle experience. Now, in the early stages, it may only be top of funnel. But even with top of funnel, if you're, you don't have alignment with your sales team on what's going on, which campaigns are going out, how you're approaching your target lists, it doesn't work. And if done really well, you are doing ABM across the entire life cycle of your customer, literally from start to separation and sometimes beyond. That is where you see the real value of ABM start coming into play. And without that alignment, between all of your organizational structures, and I even like to say it it gets all the way back to product, you're going to miss. Yes. 
I like that because either they are target outreach or targeted demand gen. If we're not changing sales, marketing, customer success, motions, and interactions. If we're not changing the experience, then all you're doing is a targeted outreach. You're not doing that ABM. Right. That's to me, ABM changes motions. It changes the conversations across social, across email, across digital, across the live conversation, because it even impacts how sales should be talking to target accounts and existing customers. Yep. Also, one thing you can talk about, I mean, you you go as deep as what should you be talking about? That if we know they've engaged with certain content because we've put it in front of them, shouldn't you be talking about that problem and problem set? And one of the biggest problems and the, the, the disconnects that I see when people think they're doing ABM or they are doing ABM, but not really well, is what I call the nomenclature breakdown, where what you call one thing is not consistent across your entire customer life cycle. If you have, for example, a widget that you call A and salesperson is calling it B, then this person, your customer is very confused. And when I see ABM done right, that nomenclature, that conversation changes because they understand what's happening, the full life cycle of their conversation. It doesn't go, wait, wait, I thought we were talking about, or do you mean? Changes the the entire game. Yep. I also like how we talk about ABM being a business strategy, because to me, it should tie to your fundamentals of revenue. It should impact sales velocity, but also states regression. I've talked to the VPs of marketing and CMOs, and they'll talk about how they've used Terminus, demand base, or other programs, and they've built a pipeline. But then when sales gets involved, accounts start becoming dark. They go unresponsive. So again, they've created demand gen, but if I'm not translating it to revenue, then you are not doing ABM. So it's a business strategy there. I've talked to CMOs and they'll talk about how they have demand-based, Sixth Sense, Bombora, Zan and all the other sales and marketing tech, and that's how they define their ABM program. But then one CMO in particular, they were using this ABM tech, building the funnel, but their deals were less than $70,000. Anything above it, $70,000, they would routinely lose to Salesforce because they are a channel sales technology company. So anything bigger, they went with the status quo, the, the companies that you're not going to get fired for hiring. Right. So they weren't changing their interactions there. So how am I going to get to that larger deal size? That's part of your ABM strategy. Just right. putting out campaigns is not going to help that. Mm-hmm. I talked to CMOs that were in conversations with MasterCard and PayPal and Walmart but they've been in conversations for 14 months. They will talk about how they need closers. I'm like, no, yes, that might be true, but you need a strategy and how I'm going to now influence internal conversations that you're not part of that is holding a deal up 14 months 
is a long time, no matter how big that deal size. You need something, a strategy and a process to accelerate those accounts to revenue. It needs more enablement, more support, new strategies, content that speaks to those accounts to move them forward. So it's not just that campaign. So that's where I say it's really, or how I'm going to expand an account, or how I'm going to protect an account. We've, with one of our clients, they've hired us specifically to protect their PNG account. You can't just do in a campaign with an existing customer. You have to help them see your impact. You have to help them see the gaps that you uniquely fill and help them see what's going to happen if they went to a competitor or why they need to evolve. So we need that specific content for the why stay, why evolve conversation that you're not going to get from a campaign, which is why I like when you talked about that business strategy, because it should be tied to that fundamental. It should fix revenue challenges. It should. It should. I, I will say what I'm seeing a lot right now is people running multiple funnels, multiple go-to-market strategies, whatever you want to say. <laughs> um, a- ABM is very important if you're you know, selling B2B, especially you know, in those bigger deal sizes. And where I see a lot of the breakdown, like what you were discussing, you can have a great initial connection and then sales gets involved. And if you're doing it right, if this is a true strategy, this should be a group effort. This is not a handoff. This is a connection point where now sales may have started their conversation, but what are we doing to support the conversation? What content are we putting in front of them that helps to move the conversation forward? How are we using our data to understand what's important to them, what they're looking at, how they're taking our information? Are they sending it around the, the company? What's happening with it? Are these hot topics? Because if we aren't, the salespeople are there basically saying, great, you just gave it to me. Now we're just running a standard motion, right? General sales motion, no support, no other, nothing, no other touch points outside of them. And suddenly, yeah, those people get dark because what are they going to do? Hey, I just made you aware that you have a problem. Well, now I'm going to start looking. And what does that mean? You've just invited com- competition into the conversation. If done properly, you're going to minimize that by making sure they see you as a thought leader, the leader in this space, the one who has the answer to their big pain problem. That's how you strategically approach it. And then CS, man, you got a client. Shouldn't they be running? Shouldn't marketing be running campaigns around existing clients, client, you know, customer marketing, talking about some of the big issues and having CS at having the conversations around these issues and helping to consult around them. So you shouldn't have to run campaigns as a let's protect it you run campaigns to educate and make them understand that you have their best interest at heart you know how to solve the problem and you can relieve that that pain and that's a full company initiative not sales marketing or customer success but all yep definitely and as sales as you just mentioned they don't have that support we have this content but how many times Content doesn't support ABM. In most cases, content doesn't support selling conversations. It doesn't support internal conversations that sales and marketing is not part of. We're big proponents of the challenge of sale. That's all about tailoring for relevance, teaching for differentiation. And I've talked to challenger organizations where the 
with sales is trying to be challenges. But if you look at marketing content, it's thought leadership, but where is the commercial insights? Where is the reframes? Where is the emotional connection, the stories that speak specific to target accounts? Their gaps, so it's not just pain points, but now their their business problem, their gaps that they haven't thought about and the impacts across the organization so they can drive consensus. So that marketing and the sales needs to have a process that is integrated versus two different conversations. And that's what's happening, I see. Yeah, 100%. And, and that's where things break down, right? If, if I've received all this content, I've had great upfront experience, and I get handed off to a salesperson who's talking about something entirely different, not supporting, not talking to why I'm even in this conversation. Um, yeah, there, there's a big disconnect. I mean, I see a, ABM can't be done without sales buy-in. And most of the time, the big challenge for marketers is education when it comes to sales. You know, my experience has been a lot of salespeople have had bad experiences with pseudo ABM, right? Like, oh, we ran it, we tried it, it didn't work, but they never really implemented true ABM approach. And so that is that is a big challenge right now. Um, when done right, when you get the buy-in of sales, it works amazingly. I was just looking at a Gartner report uh, where they were saying, you know, they've seen a, an uplift in revenue due to ABM specific. And of course, it's very specific to the type, the way that they're using ABM, how they're actually using it as a strategy. People who just test it, try it, generally don't see the result. Um, You know, I I, I think there'd be a great, at some point, someone's going to need to do something to help people to better understand how do I run a test to be able to show how ABM actually functions. And does it really work for my organization? But most people, when they're getting their first foray, while ABM is now more known than it's been in the past, I still think there's a lot of gaps around understanding of how to even test it, how to prove it out within your organization, and how to get buy-in from at least a person, a salesperson, doesn't have to be all of them, to show that you can help speed up their pipe, really get deals done faster. So ho- hopefully that's what we're, we're going to start seeing coming out soon. Hopefully, because I was- what is ITSMA? And I've seen tech target reports show that two thirds of ABM programs underperform. And it's because I'm focused the focus on this one of many, one to few, and it's about scaling versus having the right interactions versus trying to fix the revenue challenges. Where are we having those challenges? Where are we getting the revenue growth from? Or we can't go upscale. Are we having problems with stage regression with people leaving? Are we having problems with too many at-risk accounts? Do Can we not penetrate? So if we actually focus in on a revenue business challenge, that's where we need to be testing. That's where we need to apply it first, and then we can start to scale. But it's where are we having the business issue? Because in most cases, it's not the pipeline, but that's where ABM is going to. It's pipeline. But the problem is not usually the pipeline. No. And, and that's why I always say ABM should be tied to revenue, not pipe. You yes. know, all marketing can drive pipe, right? Some better than others, some better quality than others, but we can generate pipe. That's what marketing does. If I can't take pipe and convert it to revenue, then it doesn't matter. It's useless. Yep. 
And that's why ABM came about, right? I mean, the people that I see do ABM really well, think about the experience, not just of an account, but of every single persona within the account itself. And at what point they touch what piece of content or what topic will completely change the experience that they have. Those that do it cookie cutter, that's when they run into problems. It's like, oh, they might have this problem, throw this at them. Well, what's their role? What's their pain point? Why would you put that in front of them? You, you've ruined the entire progression at that point. Yep. So we actually like to even go further than the personas. And we actually like to say, and that's why we call ourselves personal ABM. It's really about the people in those accounts. It's about the human buyers in those accounts and what we need to do to improve our interactions with them personally to move them forward. No, that, that's, that's exactly it. And, and, you know, when I say persona, I always think about it as like director of or VP yep. of like, what is their actual role? What do they do? And obviously, once you get more into the individual, yeah, you're, you're going to win every time because you can very quickly get to a point if done properly, where you really understand what's important to that person, not just their role, but them. Per- we don't know what conversation they just had. We don't know what, what it's going to spark, but when you do ABM properly, you start uncovering those things pretty quickly, just yes. through just engagement and seeing that account get hot. Yep. Now, along with focusing on a business problem, usually when we execute our clients' ABM programs, I usually like to start with customer success. And the reason I like to focus ABM on existing customers is if we capture the right stories and if we improve our interactions with existing customers, now it's not just guessing anymore. I am automatically going to start improving our interactions with new accounts. But usually that problem starts with that existing customers. That's where I say that ABM in most cases should start. So if we're doing that pilot, for doing a test is how are we going to improve those processes with those existing accounts so we can retain them, so we can expand them. Would you agree with me that's where ABM should start? I would say optimally, sure. Um, I think every company is a little bit different in that obviously they're going to go wherever we want based on their, their existing problem, right? Um, but it's kind of like being a product marketer. What do you do? Intelligence. I got to get market intelligence. I want to understand what my clients like about us, what they hate about us, what problem we're solving for them before I can position. So the same thing goes with ABM. If I understand more thoroughly why they really picked us, what's really important and how we're answering the questions that they have. When I go outside of my existing clientele, I have more ammo to use and understand what, why they're even having a conversation with us. Why are they looking at my content? Why are they having a conversation with my sales team? So I think optimally, yeah, it'd be great to be able to start there. Uh, at worst case, you know, I always say that anyone running demand as an ABM person, ABMer, um, one of their best friends should be the product marketing side. You want yes. to know every little bit that you can about existing and potential customers. And they're doing it. They're, they're in front of them. I mean, that should be their job. They're also getting insights from the analysts. They're doing all these things like, that is ammunition to build ABM properly. Yep. 
our best accounts are the ones where we are working closely with uh, pro with product marketing. If we find that ABM is being driven by demand gen, in most cases, that's a yellow flag and a red flag to us, that unless they're coming to us, we're not going to target them because it automatically means it's going to be more campaign focused than interaction focused. They're not going to think about that whole life cycle of the prospect and the customer. So, oh yes, I really agree with it. Product marketing is ABM's best friend. It should be driven through product marketing and not a demand gen function if it's not on its own. Yeah. On its own, I mean, that's fine too. But per, per what we said, right, you, you've got to understand the market and the customer and the potential customer. And if you're trying to put together a really good ABM program, you don't have the time to go do, get those insights. So you got to find a way. And that, that's why I also say, you know, analyst relationships and all the other components that can lead to it. It's imperative. But I will say my number one thing that I always tell people is if you don't have buy-in from the leadership at each organizational structure, marketing, sales, customer success, whatever, you're doomed to fail. You know, it's, it, it's, it's unfortunate, but if nobody's telling sales, no, this is how we're going to market. If you don't like it, go, we'll find people that'll backfill. Then guess what? They're going to keep doing whatever they want. You know, they're not going to do their touch points. They're not going to look at their dashboard. They're not going to keep things moving. And then they're going to wonder why ABM didn't work. Well, you didn't even do what you were supposed to. So, you know, you need that buy-in to get everybody on, in line. And I still find that if you can prove it, if you can take a rep and have them kill it, every rep's going to be asking how. So that, that's just been my experience over and over again. It's, it's without some top down, it's very difficult to implement. Yes. Yep. And actually, I like to work with the VPs of sales because they have a sales process in place. Of course, we're going to optimize them further, but it's like, let's put that marketing and the sales process together. From there, once you have that VPs, then we're going to be able to get the reps adopting. But let's really refine that process. And to me, ABM really should focus on your 20% of accounts that can deliver 80% of today's and tomorrow's revenue growth. If we're going beyond that, then it's, again, more of demand gen. So that's where the VPs really should be focused is on those strategic accounts. That's where ABM has the greatest impact. That's where I'm going to put my investment in are the ones that's going to provide us with the greatest revenue growth, the ones that's going to give us the bigger deal sizes, because that's what I'm going to get personal with. That's who I'm going to do the one-to-one -one and a one-to-few with. Yeah. You know, one, one thing about that, though, and this is just from a targeting perspective, I still find that most people do not do a very good job of defining what is their top 20 and why. Yes. Um, and, and that becomes a big issue. Because if you're chasing something that's really not going to be worth it, you're going to be very disappointed when you reach that end, or you're just never going to get there. Um, I find the best strategies, they have a really good scoring system that is not arbitrary. You know, you're not just going to the rep and saying, who are your top accounts? Because they're going to give you what, you know, today it's one thing, tomorrow it's another. Um, so I think that, you know, if you can structure that properly, you, you really just set yourself up for so much, so much more success. Um, and, you know, 
The nice thing is, even as you're running general <laughs> demand on that bottom 80%, you're going to see a lot of those guys hit the, hit the target and move up into your top 20. So you just have to be paying really good attention to what's happening in those target accounts too, because reps will just keep working. Yes. And I definitely like that. You can't just go by sales. Sales and marketing has to really qualify and disqualify together. Yeah. A lot of times sales would just choose those accounts, but do we have the right stories for those accounts? Do we understand those accounts? If there is intent, what is the reason behind intent? Do we have a reason behind the outreach? A lot of times I find that sales and marketing teams respond to intent, whether it's first party on the website, whether it's third party, but they're responding to intent, then figuring out why there is intent. Or I'm reaching out to these because they fit our ICP, but where is their strategic priorities? Does it fit right now? And do they have the gaps and the impact that you can solve? So what is going on in the company themselves? What is going on in the department? What's going on in the industry? You need to have that full story and understanding and have a real reason, not just they're not our client yet, and they match our ICP. And that's what I hear so many times. That they match our ICP. And I'm like, yes. But still, what is your reason? What is the, there needs to be intent behind any interaction. If we're reaching out on LinkedIn, it's a mini sales conversation. Your profile, your, any content you're sharing, anytime you invite to connect, anytime you email someone, it is a mini sales conversation in the prospect's mind. So if we don't have that intention, you're not going to have that first right interaction that's going to move things forward. There needs to be a real reason. And that's where I see is a lot of times is missing. Yeah. And, and, you know, it sounds a little bit like we're bashing sales and, and that's really not the case. No, it's marketing too. It's like, there's no it's, reason. It's every, yeah, there's it's, no enablement. It's, right. It's all misalignment. It's not that one is better than the other. They're just better when they work together. Yes. And that's, that's where I think there's a little bit of disdain between the two. I mean, we've heard for years, like sales and marketing don't get along. The best companies, they're buddies. They work together. They work for a common outcome. And I will say one of the best things that I see companies that succeed with ABM do is they have the exact same KPI that they report to. Yes. If we're all working towards the same goal, it's much easier to align. But when yep. we've got pipeline here, revenue here, or this and that, they don't care how they align. You're, you're getting paid based on what you're supposed to produce. Yep. And that's why it comes down to where are your business challenges? So how are we going to fix that specific challenge? Yes, yeah, so I definitely, it's definitely not where it's best sales. It's actually, I put it on that there is not enough account-based enablement. You have marketing. You have sales enablement with just-in-time, I mean, just-in-case coaching. They might just provide just-in-case scenario content, but there is nothing for specific accounts to help them drive that greater penetration so I can become multi-threaded, so I could reframe specific thoughts, so I could influence that conversation 
So there is no, it was misses that account based in a woman. And that's what I think you need because you have the marketing to try to drive that pipeline. And then you give it to sales and then it's up to sales when it's, it needs that enablement. It needs, and that to me is where marketing and sales come together yeah. throughout that whole process. Yeah, and that's why you see a lot of PMMs that are doing sales enablement too. You know, it's, it's they're trying. But I, I, I'm with you is if you have a group that is highly focused on the specific accounts and the importance and the way to enable sales because we understand what the pain point is, we understand better what are our talk tracks, what are our playbooks based on what we're currently doing with that account, not just vanilla peanut butter all over everything, right? It's yes. very highly specific to them. And, you know, they're going to appreciate it. You know, like, I, I don't know about anybody else, but when somebody does research on me or on my company or before we have a conversation, I appreciate it because one, they don't have to ask half the you know, the qu upfront questions. So when these people come and they're ready and they know, you know, they, they have a pretty good idea of where you're really at and they start the conversation, that's a better conversation. Even yes. if you don't get the sale, they're going to remember you. Yep. Actually, I say a lot of that discovery stuff is should be done. You need to be having an account profile. It does. It shouldn't be taking that first conversation to really discover. You may want to do some confirmation, but and it's not really talking about your solution. It's now here's where you want to go. Here's the gaps to a scene because you already know understand where they want to go. They should already be pre-framed in your approach with the content you share beforehand. So now it's all about helping them create their vision based on what you found in your research. Yep. And that's what's missing is that we don't spend that personal time. To me, and this is both sales and marketing, and this is how they go to market, and they do this with ABM, they're treating all accounts the same in their ICP, even if they say I'm focused on my ICP. But still, to me, that ICP needs to be tiered off. Because to me, each account has a different risk. They have different investment. They're going to ha have different layers of service that we're going to need to add. They're going to have different margin improvement. I'm a big investment person, being a CEO. I'm going to invest besides in the business, in my finances, mutual funds, uh, uh and all other kinds of alternative investments, each one comes with their own risk. I don't treat them all the same, but same thing with clients, yep. within accounts. There is going to be a tier one. There should be a tier two, a tier three. I'm not going to give the same level of attention for the tier three as I would a tier one. But that's what's happening. It's There is no differentiation between those experiences and the interactions. So we give personalization, but not personal. I, I always go that that always goes back to something Sangram says a lot. You know, you don't give your champagne clients seltzer and you don't give seltzer, <laughs> you know, you don't give your seltzer clients champagne. It's you got to understand who you're talking to and give them the experience that they should, that they expect. Yeah. So it, it, that's it's, what's happening is they're giving them all seltzer versus really differentiating those account experiences. And that's, and because it comes down to I'm campaigning it, whether it's marketing or sales, using sales outreach. It's they're both thinking it as I'm doing a campaign and not the experience across 
the customer and the prospect lifecycle. 100%. What are some other, besides not hearing it, not and giving that same experience, how are we going to market wrong? And why aren't we really being able to create those experiences that we need to move accounts forward as ABM is not, a, we've mentioned many times, is not about top of the funnel. So how are we going about wrong that we haven't discussed yet? What are the things that we are missing that we haven't talked about yet? I mean, I, I just think the biggest miss around everything and just overarching is this mentality of, of silos that I've done my job. It's your job now. And, I, you know, I have personal examples. You know, there's plenty of times where you get off a call and it's somebody else's time, but there's no check-in. There's no follow-up. There's no pass-on of, of insights that you've now gathered. And if the units aren't really in lockstep, you're going to miss. It's, it's only luck that you land, right? It, the, the, the outcome is you're going to miss somewhere along the, ro the, the road. Now, a lot of times what I see with, with companies that are, are winning, sometimes they're winning in spite of themselves. Maybe their product is just so much better than the competition. And it's almost like you could bumble through it. And they're still buying from you. But when you're in a very competitive market, that experience from start to finish is imperative. If they get through to the end, and they're just like, wow, like that was like what it should be like. They're a customer for life. They'll take you with them everywhere they go and think about how much it is, how much easier it is to sell them at their next role. I know plenty of people that when you've created a great experience and they leave a company, you're their first call. They land and say, hey, terminus, demand base, whatever, whoever, right? Let's go. Yeah. And that that is one of the big points people don't think past right now. And I know this leads into something that, that you guys wanted to talk about as well as, you know, going beyond top of funnel. Yeah. Where, you know, I try to look at this as a lifetime, not an instant. And that really means that you have to treat people like you would a friend, right? Yeah. You're going to have more engagement sometimes and less sometimes, but they're your friend and you still want them to enjoy the experience of spending time with you. It's the exact same thing if you're doing this properly. That doesn't mean, hey, you bought my product. Have a nice day. It's you bought my product. We're good friends now. I'm going to make sure that the rest of your time here is excellent. Hopefully it's forever, you know? And if for some reason you go your separate way and I go mine, hopefully we'll see each other again down the road. Because I don't even consider the end of the life cycle at end of contract. No, I think it's whenever the company's done, you will still have a relationship, whether it be good or bad with somebody who's engaged with you. We'll see what happens after that. So to me, the biggest miss is thinking that this is a top of funnel approach. Yep. And that's where sales and marketing will put their investment. I think corporate visions did a study and you have investing at the top of the funnel. And then as it gets closer to the deal, I do less. And actually, to me, as we get closer to the deal, I should be doubling down because otherwise it's going to become that price competition versus really starting to teach for differentiation, starting to really show how it needs to be across the department organization. We're working with a digital asset management provider. 
and they keep pushing, or they were before using us, marketing pain points. Well, so is every damn provider. And what happened when one of their competitors is Binder? Well, they focus on dropping their costs in order to win. And I'm talking about 30%, 40% discount to our client. When they really need to be focusing on how digital asset management really should be impacting sales, sales enablement, onboarding, right? Because especially now you have, I want to improve the experiences with my employees. Well, what digital processes, what content processes that we need to put in place in order for them to develop. So to me, it's, we need to show how they impact across the organization, especially when studies show that more than 35% of, of damn projects are under, underutilized. So that's where the conversation needs to go. So my experience from the beginning, and it might be focused on our marketing, but I want to start to show them how they can expand. So I don't have that churn. What, what is the next step? What is the roadmap look like? Because I should be creating that vision towards that end of the close and then continue it after the close. That's where it needs to go. I need to continue creating that strategic vision. <clears throat> and, and growth. I mean, look, like I said, if you're friends, aren't you going to try to help your friend? Aren't yep. we, you know, CSMs, their job is to be your friend and be a strategic advisor to help you get the most, not only out of our product, but out of all of what you're doing. Yes. Right. That conversation is imperative. And the more that we support it, the better it goes. You know, people forget like the upfront sale is not the end. A lot of times, you know, what if you're running land and expand? That's just the beginning. Yes. How do we support through the expansion yep. and what's your expansion motion look like? How is CSM supporting it? What do account managers do? And how is sales still involved? I mean, all these things become imperative to really reaching the value expected from a client. And, you know, if you're selling on price, I mean, it's auto churn. They're just going to keep looking for the best price. Yep. You stand out as an advisor, somebody that is a, like, I can't do without you. Price doesn't even sway them. Yep. Now. As you just said, got to think about the land and the expand, except the customer service managers, the customer success team, the account management teams, they usually don't have that support. And what happens, I don't know if you've seen it, but a lot of times the conversation that they're having is a very similar conversation to what sales is having, except now it's in the past tense. So sales talks about, here's what we'll do for you. Customer success teams talk about, here's what we did for you. And they talk about general benefits. And then we start wondering why we lose engagement with the VPs. We lose engagement with the C-suite. And it's because we're not talking about, all right, here's where the gaps that we filled. Here's the impacts, not benefits, but here's how we've impacted your team. But here's what we've also learned. Here's the next steps. Here's how we need to evolve. So it needs a strategic conversation. And that's what's not happening because it was for some reason, I think it's because it lacks that enablement. It lacks the support and we don't have 
sales, marketing, and accounting is working together, it's becoming a tactical conversation that does not lead to expansion. No, and, and I talk to a lot of CSMs. That, that's one of the big things is it's almost like they're siloed. Um, they don't know what the pain points were coming in. It's almost like they're having, like you said, the same conversations to, to get a lay of the land and then figure out where to go. Well, that can quickly, you know, grate on people. If we're thinking, hey, we know they're coming in, shouldn't there be an upfront, not really handoff, but information continuum? Shouldn't there be a, hey, why doesn't our entire team get with you, not just our CSM now, for our, our next conversation so we can make sure we're all on the same page and understand what objectives you want to achieve with this implementation and how we can support you moving forward versus, hey, let's just talk. Yep. So there, there's definitely like, you know, account teams and things like that that would be very helpful. I think we're going to see an evolution over time. Um, you know, if you looked at ABM eight years ago, it was a word, you know, it was, a, it was, <laughs> it was letters that nobody knew what it meant. So the evolution is still happening. Um, yes. You know, a big focus for us is overarching go to market now, obviously with go to market partners. Um, you know, and looking at it from every every perspective, you know, where where are things breaking? Are you having ARR problems? Or do we have churn with GRR? Are we looking at a NRR for expansion? Where are you? Are you looking at category creation or leadership? And how does that play into this overarching approach that you're taking? Right. And yep. ABM just fits right in. You know, I see it as ABM is a go-to-market strategy if done properly. Yep, it's part of a go-to-market strategy. And it's Again, yeah, how am I going to tie it into those revenue challenges tied to AR, tied to the retention, tied to the expansion? So, yeah, it is part of a go-to-market, but is that overall business strategy? And that's where it needs to come in. It's like how I'm going to improve interactions. That's where we start to start thinking about is interactions with the buyers and the experiences. 100%. And, and go to market, the, the, the definition's evolving too. You know, if you talk to sales, they go to market. If you talk to marketing, they go to market. But go to market is a corporate thing. And it's not an instance. It's not a product launch. It's not, you know, we're going to market the first time or we have a new widget or thing that we're trying to sell. Go to market is an evolutionary process. Just like ABM, you're evolving it over time as you learn more about your audience. Yes, and I do like that. It's that evolving because I've seen it too many times where we went learn something. And it's like ABM is not working here. It's like, well, we have to change those interactions. We have to change and take a different process and a different approach because the initial strategy did not work. It doesn't mean that ABM doesn't work. It means it needs to be evolved. Exactly, exactly. Because we've had clients that they try doing direct selling, but they work, but their accounts focus more on channels. I mean, not on channels, on uh, IT service consulting clients that will bring in the tech firms, but they don't work directly with technology company vendors themselves. It's like, well, we've been trying direct. It's not working. When we look at the account profiles and we do our research and we see, look, very similar topics, uh, different technologies that they've implemented. They went through different consulting partners. They're not going to work with you directly, no matter how we try to interact with them. We need to take an approach where you now use ABM with consultants. So it's you need to apply it in different ways because it's not going to work the same way with every account. It needs 
a different experience. So it's how are we going to change it? That's what it's all about. It's how are we going to evolve it? Absolutely. And, and static. We, we have one belief though, and, and I'll leave you guys with this, that we believe that ABMers are probably going to be the next CMOs slash CEOs, right? If they're doing it right, they're very highly strategic. And that's not something you see across the org. They touch every aspect, which is not the norm. They've got to be in sales, marketing, customer success, product, and everywhere else. So, you know, if you're in it, if you're interested in it, if it's something that seems cool to you, definitely go deep because this is a place that, you know, the, the, the sky's the limit right now. Uh, we're just seeing ABM on a whole grow dramatically because when done properly, it is very powerful. And so hopefully, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll start seeing this come to fruition. We always said that, uh, you know, we were going to see CMOs become the next CEOs. And we know that Gartner's actually launched a practice around helping to support the CMO transition to CEO. So it is happening. Yep. Cool. Well, Judd, I want to thank you very much. Uh, definitely looking forward to seeing more about your new go-to-market firm thank that you. you're doing with Sangram. Definitely later on, want to have further conversations as you focus on strategy. And you say ABM and go-to-market work together. Like to see how else we can work together. Uh, how can our audience learn more about you and learn more about the initiatives and your new go-to-market firm? Well, uh, so gtmpartners.com, that's our website. Just launched today. Bear with us. Uh, really cool. So it's not just Sandra and I, but also his co-author on the book Move that he, uh, best-selling book Move, Brian Brown, uh, is also a part of it. So we've got a rock star team. Uh, if you are a marketer, come check out peak.community. Uh, best marketers are in the world are in there. We love them. It is invite only. Ping one of our members, have a great conversation and come be a part of it. You know, the whole focus is career progression for marketers. And, you know, anyone who wants, please shoot me a note. I'm happy to have conversations. The whole world, you know, is huge. We want to get to know everybody. This is a really cool time for marketing and for go to market on a whole. So, you know, hang on to your seats, guys. <laughs> Sounds good. And for our listeners, don't forget to continue looking at all of our other podcasts that we've had with top marketers top sales leaders as we try to improve how we're going to market, how we're expanding, how we're protecting those accounts and really driving revenue growth with ABM. Thank you very much.